Hi everybody, before we begin, I'd just like to say thank you so much to those who have given me really nice, constructive and really positive feedback for the podcast. As always, please send in your suggestions if you've got any topics you'd like to talk about and I will find a way to either write about it or have a guest come along on the podcast. So without further ado, we'll begin our third episode. Welcome to the Alchemist Podcast, everybody. Today, this is the third episode, and I have two extra guests with me, which makes the three of us. So on my left, I've got Daniela Krasnadi, and Hello. I've got Jimmy Chong on my right. Hey! <laughs> I guess I'll let the two of you take turns introducing yourself, so... Who would like to go first? Yeah, sure, I'll go. My name is Jun. Some people call me Jun Yi. That's my first name. So I am a dental student full-time. I'm in my final year, and I guess that's me. (laughs) (laughs) What else can I say? I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah, and I guess my hobbies would entail just reading coffee table books uh, about architecture and interior design, and I also love The Sims. <laughs> Hi, I'm Danny. I just graduated or just finished studying Masters of Architecture yeah. at Monash with Kim. We met in first year. And I also love The Sims. <laughs> okay, which is why I have the two of you with me today. So for those who have been following my writing for a while, last year really, Junior and I collaborated on an article exploring The Sims. Our adventures in The Sims actually more of Junyi's adventures <laughs> in The Sims, given that I've never played The Sims before. So perhaps just a really quick background for the people who are listening today, or those who haven't played The Sims, could the two of you, who are Sim <laughs> enthusiasts, <laughs> explain totally. to me about what this game is? So Sims are short for a simulation. <laughs> Yeah, right? I guess, yeah. <laughs> so it's a live simulation game mm-hmm. where you can act out and play any storyline that you, your soul wishes to pursue. Yeah, and <laughs> the one of my favourite bits of The Sims is that you get to create your characters. You can design their faces, their body type, and you can give them a wardrobe like with a certain fashion style. And not only that, you can design their homes as well. You can build restaurants or business retail stores, just anything that you'd like. So it really is a free space to design what your own world. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, okay. So mm-hmm. coming from somebody who hasn't designed the Sims and then how do I put this? So from what we've written when we first crashed out this article my impression of the sims was really about how people like to imagine their life because from our initial research the creator of the sims he actually saw this as a way to build the virtual reality dollhouse as a way to talk about the satirical nature of the american lifestyle so build a house with no rules and whatsoever and then add whatever you want to fancy things up because the sims does does the sims have a budget or no but you mm. have an unlimited amount of money. You can shape that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you talked about that. We yeah. looked at some of the types of Sims players. That yeah. Like. <laughs> and then for me, having missed that phase of The Sims, because throughout my life, I've always seen The Sims from a spectator's point of view. My best friend in Hong Kong, she's always played The Sims. So sometimes it'd be days where I would be just sitting behind or standing behind her chair and just watch her control the lives of others and then when my other good friend when my one bought the sims for him it was me witnessing how he played it as well as 
having to call my other friend who introduced us to the world of Sims and just trying to understand why the Grim Reaper suddenly appeared and how come the whole house suddenly set on fire. So it was very interesting. So it was nice to see that type of life simulation. As for me, I jumped onto it relatively late. So my versions of the Sims was the Harvest Moon series, also now known as the Story of Seasons, as well as Stardew Valley, which is a very slow game to get started. But I think that's a really nice aspect of being able to control somebody's Mm. life, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but what got you into The Sims? I actually got into it quite late into the game. I started playing Sims 2. Mm. No, wait, Sims 3, and then Sims 4 now, mm-hmm. in first year. Yeah. Mm. Because of a friend. Oh. And she was like, so how'd you get into architecture? And I was like, I had a, like a different reason. And she was like, oh, mine was Sims. And oh, I was like, huh, interesting. Sims. I've never played that. I'm like, what is that? And she's like, wow. You can play Sims. So I like, I wanted to be her friend. And like, I wanted to talk about things with her. So like, I went home and bought Sims 3. Yeah. And then I loved it. I The first game that I bought was University. Oh, yes. Ironically. The expansion pack. Yeah, the expansion pack. A brilliant pack. one. The Sims yeah. 3 University. Really yeah. And then after that. They announced Sims 4 was coming, and then I bought that, and then it just the rest is history. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Mine was so I started playing playing when I was really young. I'm not sure what age, but I did play The Sims One mm-hmm. when it first came out, and I remember the features of that game was really simple, very basic, and there weren't many elements to the well. The elements of the game weren't well thought out yet. Mm-hmm. But I still loved it. It was very simple. You take care of your Sims, you give them food, drink, and <laughs> yeah. you, you let them sleep and play, yeah. and you fulfill their needs, and the days just keep going in every day. Like, it's it's a repeat. It's like a, it's a repetition sort of thing. It was very basic, and I loved it as a kid, but I didn't get into Sims again until, I'd say, late high school mm-hmm. when The Sims 3 was out, and I just started playing from then on. And I think now my... My style of gaming in The Sims is different. I don't necessarily play the storylines as much as anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't go through the gameplays as much. I basically like to build. I like to design people and the the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how I play it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So going on to your point from what Danny said before, <laughs> it's like I think it's my first time hearing somebody say that they play Sims because like they studied architecture because Mm. of the sims Mm -hmm. whereas for me my friend when i first spoke to her about it she was surprised that i didn't play minecraft when i talked to her about architecture she says how could you not play minecraft and then one of my classmates he one time presented his building in minecraft format (laughs) which was quite legendary but Mm. i think our tutors didn't want that so i had to (laughs) completely put that into the bin (laughs) but what i would like to ask about is perhaps like the interaction of architecture in the world of the sims and via the real world especially when danny and i we've been studying architecture for so long Mm. and then in comparison to junior where we back then discussed about how you grabbed elements from outside and put Mm. it into the virtually so what are your opinions when it comes to architecture, like the realism of architecture in the virtual world? When you build the world of Sims, then do you want to put, make it realistic or do you want to just 
Use it as an escape from our studies. With the build, and yeah. we're just talking about the build, I can't help but bring in my little <laughs> ceilings and like natural sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of big windows and like passive design like elements, which is just dumb. Because it's the Sims, there's literally no gravity. There's like, anyway. Except with the the wind, like the, the seasons patch, mm-hmm. there is like an element of like, the Sims will get cold if... Mm. they're exposed too long to the weather <laughs> or they'll get you know heat stroke or whatever it influences the build i guess yeah. and like you can't just have no roofs anymore and things <laughs> like that <laughs> i guess a little bit i'm not really i think i'm an opposite to you when it mm. comes to like gameplay i focus more on the storyline mm. now more than <laughs> than the build like that and so, like that yeah yeah, yeah. well i I didn't do physics, so I don't know anything about the physical aspect of buildings. I I don't know. I don't think I I have... I I keep the realism in mind when I build. Mm. It's more so like what I would like to have. Like, for example, in the article that we wrote, Mm. Kim and I... I provided a screenshot of a building uh, of a build that I did, mm. and I included a sunroom, which is something that I really like. You know, glass everywhere, and it's it it's an inspiring sort of room to be in. But little did I know that actually it's not feasible in the real world because having glass roofs and glass walls is a greenhouse. Yeah, greenhouse. <laughs> is a greenhouse here in Australia. So I yeah, I don't keep in mind whether I could actually do this in real life or not. I just build whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. And that's like the greatness of the Sims. You can literally just like do anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm. I think like my only experience with the Sims was when I just out of the blue decided to try the sims by like the pets version on the ds and i remember when i first got it i think a lot of the people who have played all the sims games know that ds versions are not always the best ones to start off with so i only had a cat and i didn't know what to do with the cat i just only fed it and let it go around visited the vet and then that was it i'm thinking that's it like no houses just just the pet and all so i didn't really have much of an exposure to like to what the sims and the potentials of it about so then i would like to ask like if given that sims has a huge range of freedom for you to control what you want control the type of world control the type of narrative that you want to put in is there anything you would like to change about the sims or like what you want to add what you want to improve oh Okay, yeah, this is one big one. I, I don't know if you'll agree. The free world roaming oh, yeah. in The Sims 4. Yeah, it's not as good. Yeah, it's not as good as The Sims 3 yeah. with that one. Yeah. So what it is is that in The Sims 4, we don't have like this huge map or this huge world we can play with. Mm-hmm. So we have mul- if we have multiple people, multiple Sims in one household, they can't all be in different places at once. Mm. So you're playing one person at a time if they're in different lots. Oh, so okay. what we meant by the load screen is that if you, for example, take one of the Sims to a cafe and you want to keep the other Sims at home, you can't, can't control what the other person does, the other Sim does if you go with the Sim to the cafe. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of loading screens, and there's it's not as good as Sims Three, where where mm. it's just, it's like this huge arena that you can play in, and mm. you can jump from one sim to the other, and it doesn't matter where they're located. So I yeah I agree definitely. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean like if you can't control like one of those sims, then does disaster happen? upon them or do they just kind of freeze or go on pilot mode where they just do what the computer does 
pile of cards. Okay, this is very big. <laughs> I mean, like, I yeah. didn't realize that the world of Sims was that big. Yeah. I don't know whether when you do the Sims, is it controlling the person's life or is it controlling the environment that influences the person's life? Because I think for us in architecture, when we design things, we're given a brief. And so we don't know whether that brief is actually necessarily dictating how that person's life or the user group's life is going to be. Or is it because we're just giving a building and then let that person, like the aftermath of it, let that person decide? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not sure about you, but for me, when I design or when we design buildings in general, oh, I really don't like using the word buildings. (laughs) (laughs) When we design architecture in general, unfortunately, when we design, we only design within a very short period of time. And I know people say design in five to 15 years, but 15 years still isn't enough especially when we live we're quite agile within a certain time frame and then after that we're not very agile because when we get old arthritis anything starts to kick in (laughs) if we don't look after our health and so that's that's something that i've always wanted to understand how architecture is and i don't know whether the sim kind of is a way to demonstrate for us to understand otherwise it assumes is a way for us to demonstrate that there are possibilities that we can consider because if we monitor how people live then again i don't know if the sims monitor some age group of people as well so then there's a lot of questions when it comes to architecture it's like understanding the lifespan and i know the sims doesn't have well does have a lifespan of some sort so and am i confusing the both of you here well with sims when you get old Mm -hmm. there are a few things that you're limited to i guess like Um... you can't do a strenuous exercises mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. but the built environment doesn't Not really so affect much. them right mm-hmm. yeah i would assume that if you're building a home for a elderly person you wouldn't include stairs mm-hmm. in their home mm-hmm. but in the sims 4 it doesn't matter yeah, <laughs> they can <laughs> still yeah. <laughs> yeah then that is nice i guess the sims then just portrays a really nice idealistic world for all of us mm, to live yeah. in And then, okay, well, then stepping away from The Sims then, let's go back into The Sims' relationship and then the architecture's relationship. So did we talk about how it influenced your way of designing things? If you played The Sims, did it ever influence how you portrayed your studies? (laughs) Not in a very drastic way. Mm -hmm. No, if anything, it would be my studies that influenced The Sims, Mm -hmm. not the other way around. Because in real life, you learn the rules, restrictions, how to do things. And then in Sims, mm-hmm. it's kind of like my way of just mm-hmm. letting that go. And like, it's not the other way around, yeah. unfortunately, oh, for me. Okay. And then, doing you, if you've never done architecture before, do you think the Sims has influenced your way of thinking when it comes to architecture, though? I mean, yeah. How... The type of builder that I am, well, that's such a weird word. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. The type of designer I am yeah. on The Sims is that I I like to observe the world around me. I like to pick out things that I like in certain houses, in real life, we're talking mm. in real life, mm-hmm. and um, recreating that in The Sims. That's mm. the sort of vision mm. or the sort of influence mm. I have with real life architecture mm. in The Sims. Yeah. As somebody who hasn't been in our field or at least been fully exposed to our field, like how does it feel, I guess, when you start I don't know, understanding a little bit more about architecture? Because I think it was relatively recent or it's been a few years since you've got very into the mm. interior design aspects mm. of it. Yeah, that's right. 
It's okay. It's just more like, how does it feel like being involved in architecture? What got you immersed into our field? Mm. I'd say it's the Sims. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say it's the Sims because I got tired of the um, default houses that they build Mm. in the Sims. Mm. I find them really bland, and so that's why I wanted to build my own. Yeah, Mm. Yeah. 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 very very bland. So the the starter houses are what the game comes with. Mm. They're very basic. So there's like different types of furniture, different prices. (laughs) It's basically the the starter, the lowest price they're equipped with most of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's like those generic house ones that you see. Yeah. But then that's the problem because our life, I don't know, because even though we study architecture, no matter how glamorous we see other houses are, if you've seen AIA, Robin Boyd's Open Day, you've got all these really pretty houses. And then for us to resign back to the standard house drawings, Mm. it can get a little bit tiring. I don't know, for somebody who hasn't been fully immersed in practicing, but just observing others and then observing having to make sure things are in four walls. Actually, I've always wanted to know who decided that a house has to have four walls mm. and a ceiling in a wall. <laughs> like, that's always been one of my biggest questions. <laughs> it's just more like, I, I, gaming to us, I think, is quite important. I don't know about the both of you, but I think sometimes we do need kind of a bit of a release for us to just branch out and explore different areas of avenues of exploration. And so it's always interesting when I hear other people who haven't studied architecture become very interested in architecture because then I'd like to always hear their personal opinions. Even I remember going to AIA Robin Boyd's Open Day Hours, so surprised by the amount of people that I've come across that queuing up to see different mm. houses and they're not architects mm. themselves. Yeah. And they will talk about things that I don't think about. So even talk about, they say, Things are really nicely designed. However, then they have all these constructive criticisms, which I always find really amazing. Or even I remember I was queuing up for one of the other houses and they were asking me about one of the houses I previously visited. And they had a lot of, I don't know if it's negative feedback, but a lot of disagreeable comments, which is really awkward for me as an architecture (laughs) graduate to hear because you're you're standing there and you're trying to think whether you should agree or disagree with the public opinion and have you come across an architecture that you don't really oh <laughs> like you don't really agree with completely and then would you how would you say you'd like to make those comments or it's completely fine by the way <laughs> we're, we, we need, we're always open to constructive yeah, criticism no, so. yeah it's always good for us i agree basically it was just yeah. that's a difficult question for me especially yeah. I, I don't think i have properly criticize or properly analyze mm. a, a design, an architecture design mm. before. I think in general, I'm the type of person to see the good parts of it and just take that away. Mm. You know, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have no, any comments. Don't be sorry. <laughs> because I think it's fine because then that way we kind of know. It's good for both of us to know whether, mm. how do we approach different clients, I guess, mm. in the future and such. Mm. And given that you did study dentistry, do you think your space is studying when you were in uni because I don't know how the layout for dentistry is like Mm -hmm. and then for us when we go to a dental practice it seems very generic to us because we know that well my cousin's a dentist so I know that he needs a receptionist 
Mm. And I just recently found out he needed a dark room to produce all his oh. x-ray pieces. Oh. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know that. Know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he oh, found yeah. out when I told him I developed my own film. So right. that was how I knew about it. And mm. then a good spacious room for you to fit the chair, then your sister and your other tools. Mm. And like, I don't know whether you sometimes look about those things, like when you go into a space, what is the first thing you focus on? Like what's the first thing I focus on when I go into a, de- a dental practice, do you mm. mean? I would say, yeah, just the the design of the place. I I know that's very vague, but I'll see how the, the room makes me feel. Mm. I think that's very important as a patient, mm. when, especially going to the dentist. I mean, who likes going to the dentist? <laughs> I really like this one clinic that has all these green tones in the room. Now, I think we're going to the, the field of interior design. That's completely fine. Yeah. <laughs> I particularly like this dental office that had t- tones of green because it's very calming. Mm-hmm. And I think that has an effect on, on the people in the waiting room. And that's important. It's mm-hmm. important for patient management. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that before you see the patient, they're actually in a calm mood mm-hmm. rather than stressed or anxious. That helps you out. Um, with treating the patient so I, that's what I noticed first mm. just how the room makes me feel mm-hmm. yeah because I very much because I always thought the reason why they chose green is to neutralize like if blood was there. Mm. yeah because very random but I remember back then I used to watch Detective Conan it's a Japanese kids detective show and I think one of the murder mysteries was the reason why this guy the victim before he passed away he painted his walls red on purpose or something and it was the point was the longer you stare at it's green and that green patch that you see in front of your eyes was actually one way to solve Mm. figure out who the killer was Mm. and so I thought the reason why green I have to admit green is a very calming color Mm. like when we go hiking we want to see nature it's all green and such but apparently it's because it's to do with psychology like if Mm. you see a lot of green and then it it balances out the Mm. red that you see so Mm. I don't know if that has ever come across for you as well Mm. Because then that puzzled me as in, we're going to colour theory now for yep. a complicated <laughs> talk. Because then that makes me question, does that mean the colour blue also have a very similar effect? Like, is there a reason why white scrubs are blue, not like really bright colours? And all? does it help you concentrate mm. on what you do? That's an interesting thought. <laughs> <laughs> I guess really? that hasn't yeah. to you. No, it hasn't. But yeah, no, it, it's plausible, really, mm. using colour to influence the psychology of the people around mm. yeah no that's plausible mm-hmm. this whole conversation i keep thinking of that particular pink color so there's apparently this particular pink color i forgot it what it was called in the code or whatever it is <laughs> but this pink color they tested it on like um a jail cell situation oh, somewhere I think I know what you're about. in the u.s i think i don't know mm. but they painted it all pink because apparently it helped calm the inmates down mm. and they were more submissive that mm. way because of the color I think oh. it, something about it just triggered for them to just mellow out mm. compared to other colors I don't know the research behind it but apparently it's a thing like this particular Ooh. pink does the same as a green mm. but it's very it's very pink really like it's a very like trendy a pink not as fuchsia, it's it's um, fu- 
Mm. Like baby kind of baby. pink. Yeah. Baby pink. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I just used to know I love the color pink. Yeah, it's then, a great color. It is. Yeah. And I think it's making a comeback now. Because mm. there's yeah. a restaurant that is entirely in pink. Oh. <laughs> Have you been? No, I haven't. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go because as much as I like the color, I feel like there's certain shades of pink I can tolerate. But there's certain shades I can't do. In your face pink, I can only <laughs> take a certain amount. As eyeshadow, mm-hmm. it's fine. But then as a background, my eyes are like... Yeah. done and I guess like the other green that I can't take is you know the green screen type of green oh that's very stark <laughs> it's just I remember I could relate to what Anne Hathaway said when she was filming Alice in Wonderland I think I heard on the radio where she said she got so sick of seeing green because everybody was wearing green right. like that type of green <laughs> when they were doing Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland I'm just trying to think like the amount of sacrifice you have to do, <laughs> especially for your eyes. Like, I'm pretty sure you would go home and all you constantly see yeah. is, like, shades of green. green. Yeah, I think colour has always been quite important because I think even just going back to our original topic of, like, playing games, like, in the virtual world sense, and if we look at movies, even when we talked about earlier on, like, Ernest Cline's Ready Player One, there's a lot of colours that resonates with certain themes and certain genres. And I don't know if The Sims ever, like, changed up the colours. Like, what you normally use for one thing, they decide to switch it up to something else. And then for me, I think, like, when I play Harvest Moon in particular, they still stay true to the seasonal vegetables. Like, making sure, like, when it's ripe, you'll go into this colour. <laughs> ah, and then yeah. when the grass is not doing well, then they'll go to brown or shriveled up. And I really yeah. like that. There's something nice about having that little creativity, but then still stay true to the realities mm. of sense of it. And then, because both of us do love illustrations as well for architecture, do you think colours, have you ever used a colour where you don't think you should have been used, but you did it anyway to challenge how it should be? In my, like, in my drawing? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. A few times I, I used pink. <laughs> <laughs> like, I did, like, an image. Because I saw something on Instagram or something like that. I was inspired by the colour pink. Mm-hmm. So I wanted this particular render for this weekly assignment to be all pink. <laughs> there was no reason for it to be pink. <laughs> so I just, yeah, it was just mm. a few of the pink. But yeah, I don't know. Color is very important to me. <laughs> when it comes to like imagery, colors have to mean something. Okay. If it is about the water, if I'm commenting about something else, if I want you to feel something, I'm going to choose the colors that will make you feel that mm. way in my drawing. I will always edit my renders to be less realistic. Okay. To invoke more emotion, mm. you know, and it's through colors. It's cool. At the end of the day, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about something that you're really proud of? I liked my recent end of year project. It was a I created a illustration book, mm. basically talking about dystopian future and climate change and what that oh. might have on areas that are prone to disaster sea level rise and tsunamis and things like that i focus on this particular area in jakarta where it's a fisherman's community (laughs) long story short they are very prone to and they will be very prone to the climate change disasters that will happen and continue to to affect them to this day recently Mm. a few days ago Mm. jakarta the main city was flooded the lack of drainage and things like that um there's a lot of things that go into it and there's it's a problem area basically but anyway i created an illustration book basically talking about the people that are left behind and how their lives will continue to move on in midst of disaster and the colors that i chose for that was obviously lots of blue but Mm. i had lots of hazardous yellow 
in a lot of my mm. pages just to bring mm. back the notion that, you know, this, gosh, I hope you're paying attention. I want this to be quite striking. And yes, it's it's a reality and it's scary. And I wanted yellow too. And yellow looks great with blue as well. I mean, yes. like, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things behind it. But yeah, mm. I chose yellow for that. And then blue too, just like evoke kind of like this eerie feeling. Mm. That's good. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's interesting because whenever I see blue, I see there's like so many layers of the sky in blue because like you have that same blue, you're feeling blue, and then you're feeling there's a good type of blue. And then sometimes back then when I used to talk to my friends jokingly, like what color do you see yourself as? Like blue always flashes in front of me mm. to describe myself as mm. as well. So I think like one of the most problematic things that I've ever encountered when it comes to architecture in drawings or in renders, it's always the use of colour. Like I've had a few times where I just use colour because I wanted to. So for my second semester project for first year of masters, I did pink because my hair was pink. <laughs> so, so that was it was one of the ways that I could just scream out to people like, if you know me, you should know that I have pink hair, so mm-hmm. please let the pink <laughs> align to what you do. And it was just a way to kind of have fun, like have a go and poke and prod on a project because the site was set in Japan. And so it was one way for me to just joke about, well, they gave me that task of producing a future so I might as well just be obnoxious about like, <laughs> yeah. everything yeah. with a tinge of pink. And yeah, colour psychology, I think it's like always the most difficult thing to talk about because it's so opinionated when it comes to colours. And then I don't know about your occupation where the colours mean everything like. Mm-hmm. What was this thing I've had encountered with colours was people talking about the colour of their braces. like one color do they want yeah 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 do you think like color could be a potential way i know we're not all experts in our field as Mm. of yet but hopefully we will in the future and continue to grow from that so do you like do you have any visions or hope you'd like to have when it comes to incorporating like color Mm. or anything architecture related to Mm. your practice Mm. yeah i think when it comes to identifying this is what i think the waiting room is quite important in how you design it Mm. i am a big believer of indoor plants Mm. having them inside the in a in a dental waiting room has the benefit of helping you feel calm and also having well when we're talking about colors having the like subtle tones of green I think would help as well but in the world of yeah dental clinic designs I think I I know there are regulations with Mm. clinic for example we can talk about the flooring it has to be a single piece laid down on the floor no seams so that cleaning will be Mm. um, sterilizing will be easy Mm. and your sterilization room has to have has to follow a certain order or have a certain amount of space space requirements as well as the dental chair has to for example be one meter apart from the head of the chair Mm. to the the other room so Mm. that because when we use dental radio radiographs radiography the, the further you are away from the source of the radio waves Mm -hmm. um the less risk the clinician is Mm. in regards to radio damage and the Mm. risk of that so there are a lot of regulations when it comes to designing a dental practice Mm. but i think in in the aesthetic side of it i am a big believer on something that looks uh, a dental clinic that looks modern and clean because it helps with helping the patient feel like you know this is a clinic it's meant to look like a clinic you know so they put your trust in the the clinician and also it's important to have certain elements that help the patient feel calm Mm-hmm. That's my vision with dental clinics. I'm not sure if I will design one <laughs> in the future, but I think these are the, the points that are important. Um, um, 
explodes into Clint again. Mm. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Cause especially when we don't design these things. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's really good to know. Like, because yeah. you can apply that to any of the commercial health. All the health industry. All the health industries. Industry. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I never thought about it. Like, it makes sense because the stage settings of hospitals that you see in mm. movies and TV shows, it's just, it's always hilarious. Cramped waiting rooms on a bench and then the TV playing on the corner of the ceiling. Mm. And it's just, it's like that smell. Like it's you not just, very appealing. Yeah. No, it's mm. not. But it's just that, is there other way? Is it sometimes that we have to be put in these environments so then we can appreciate the goodness out of it? The other thing I want to challenge is if, because you said that you enjoy the modern side of the interiors of things, do you start to feel that that's starting to become a little bit too common? Because sometimes when I sit in brunch places, I'm so sorry to say this. (laughs) You know what I might be saying, right? Like when I'm sitting in brunch places, recently renovated restaurant at my shopping center, I'm starting to see elements of that interior replicated or copied everywhere. Do you feel that? Yeah. (laughs) There's definitely a trend that's going on. And I think it has a lot to do with Instagram. Yes. And like just the cult culture of sharing perfect pictures online perfection <laughs> is what i feel like this era is about mm. yeah. yeah i don't know about trends and such like even because i recently went to japan and i was telling myself whatever you do try not to get those stereotypical instagram shots <laughs> <laughs> like ages ago i, I wrote an entry and i think i just talked about i'm like i'm kind of getting sick of people taking images of the shrine if not like the same image you see at team lab borderless I guess it's nice to feel included. I think that's what Mm. social media has kind of made us start to feel is that we portray ourselves in a way because that is one of our our fastest way to start a conversation with somebody because it's in the palm of your hand. You say, oh yeah, yeah, I've been to this. I think like if we look at the duck and the decorated shed theory, I think Instagram Mm. kind of portrays a little bit about that. I don't know if you agree (laughs) with me on that. To quickly let you know what the duck and the decorated shed is it's a town by Venturi and Brown, the book Lessons from Las Vegas, where they talked about how Las Vegas is known for its trips where they mm. always replicate scenes mm. of the city. The duck is essentially like the icon, so I don't know windmills, which you cannot know mills as a duck because mm. they think they're icons of Holland. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Yes. And then the decorated shed is like a building with a massive sign that says, This is a famous building please visit us mm. so i feel like instagram kind of does do a bit of that duck and decorated yeah. shit because of that three by three frame that one standard image and then that kind of gave a sign for everybody to visit that certain place yeah and i don't know oh, how to feel about the airy yeah, yeah. I know, right i know about you guys like has there been moments for you given that social media has given this trend and like even when we were first introduced to pinterest do you think that has in a way influenced how you want to perceive architecture or the interior architecture of the future or like do you think there are things that you want to challenge it in the future Mm, because i think the dangers of looking at things aesthetically you mask a lot of things you simplify Mm. it yeah Mm -hmm. have you ever had that experience like in real life or like oh like even in projects like any scenario that you've been in or since same thing Mm. I know, simplifying a work. I guess we do that a lot with our hero shots. Mm. Like, we only do that one, we only put effort into that one side of the project. Because we model, we make these buildings 
but for a competition or if we want to show to a client, we will only choose the most flattering part of building, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll focus on that one <laughs> and we'll simplify <laughs> the complexity of what's happening mm-hmm. and the thoughts that we'll put into it or the internal parts or whatever we're excluding into this one just beautiful image. Mm. I wish it was less about the hero. Now that you mentioned it, so Danny and I were a few other girls. We did the pavilion competition. And I think what made me a little bit disappointed back then was one of the sentences that they said at the end of the brief was, the judges have the power to pick something they like, even if it's not part of the brief. I was so annoyed <laughs> when I read I that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wow. was like the... it's all very subjective. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. Design at the end of the day is subjective, but mm. then for us to read that saying that if this hero shot, just because it doesn't follow the brief. So for example, somebody decides to design something extremely magnificent, but they need pits of fire mm. and the judges like it. But the thing is, when we design <laughs> one of the requirements of the brief was you have to consider whether you can bring the materials through the door so mm-hmm. back then in uni second year when we had to design furniture and such our main comment that we got from cheetah was whatever you design please make sure it fits in the elevator mm-hmm. and we give it and you don't think about these things because when all we've done is theory and very little mm-hmm. practical work it's a really big wake-up call for us and so like to see that sentence said at the end of the Mm. brief it was very defeating because somehow all of us knew when we were working on that pavilion we knew that we had to make it insta worthy Mm. it was always about instagram which i think it's really sad because i get it's the fastest way to market yourself nowadays because we're so visually orientated but it loses that meaning of understanding the process Mm. and the hard work Mm. of things Well, I'm not mm. sure if you've ever encountered that though. No, I'm mostly a consumer in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no, I had no idea. But no, that's good. Mm. Like with a lot of residential properties, mm. they will put out like a hero shot of what it will look like at the end, and it's usually beautiful, mm. and sparkling, <laughs> <laughs> and like the the scene. It's always at a sunset. Mm. We love the sunset. Oh yes. But when you see it in real life, when it's built, it's completely different. But the mm-hmm. hero shot is important to sell. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> to sell a fantasy or not a fantasy. Well, it kind yeah, of yeah. is. Like a vision. Yeah. yeah, a vision. Also, as a consumer, you have to <laughs> don't fall for that. Yeah. Because it's never going to be beautiful, like sunset lighting. It's not going to look like that. It's virtual furniture. <laughs> not real. Yeah. Yeah, I think like during our design for the process, like one of the things I've learned from the lead architect who assisted us was he was talking about how bad certain renders were, and I don't we don't think about until he pointed out saying that if you look at a render properly, if you want to be really nitpicky, like look at the shadows. And I saw somebody post on Instagram where they were doing like advertising this building. And the first thing I remember was looking at like it's nice, but your shadows are at the wrong angle. <laughs> So you have have shadows like pointing to the left when you know the sun was obviously supposed to make the shadows go to the right or something. And you're just like, what happened here? And it sucks. Like, I personally don't like renders. It's really sad because my final project was literally a panel of renders. Ah. Yeah, uh yeah, because 
it was more I was trying to do a storyboard that made sense for story. It ended up being I rendered the thing in clay. So clay render essentially is you ask your computer to take an imaginary photo of it, but you don't apply any material. So it's all black and white. So I did that and then I just traced parts of it and then just paint brushed it over mm. in Photoshop and then collaged people on top of it. Mm-hmm. So that was my type of render. Mm-hmm. And I think for me is my gripe with renders that it makes people very impatient because I know certain corporations, if they see a render, they have the rights to sue because it's like if your building does not look exactly like the render, mm-hmm. you can get in trouble for mm-hmm. it. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Perfect. I would love to see one day where people realize that before we had computers and such, you have to use active imagination. And I really miss that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I miss the people like using their imagination to just envisualize things as well. Mm-hmm. Now that you've heard us complain all about it, <laughs> yes. how do you feel about like have you come across architecture renders yourself? Or did you always think that they were just actual No, no, no. I don't think I... do you mean like a like pictures of what this building would look like? Mm. And like fake people walking around yeah. in this community. Yeah, like, I think Chadston had that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have seen them, for sure. And it's quite obvious that they're not real to me anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would like to say that I take everything with a grain of salt. Mm. So maybe... Mm, um, hmm. Say, for example, you were designing, as you said, like your own clinic, and mm. eventually, or even if your own house, then do you think you will have that dependency on the, that? The rendered mm. image? Yeah. Mm. I think it's important for structure, the basic image of what place would look like. Okay. I think that's important for a client mm. because, like you said, we don't we no longer rely on our imagination. We mm. want to see it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I still think it has its place, rendered images. But yeah, just maybe let your clients know that mm. this is a approximation. You know. Mm. I have a question. Yes. Would you rather a series of images, still images? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather a simulation where you can walk through? I was going to ask that. Because technology now allows us to offer that to clients. Yeah. But it's not as, I mean, it's a new thing. Mm. Would you gain more Mm. through a walkthrough, do you think? I think certainly, yeah. Mm. A 3D walkthrough would be brilliant. Yeah. But I I still think that images will be sufficient. I mean, you don't want to Mm. give too much hope to the pay- the, okay. the um, clients in, I mean mm. yeah, you don't want to give them too much hope in saying that this is what your place is going to look like mm. so I think pictures are sufficient but the 3D walkthrough would be absolutely like amazing yeah mm. when mm. you say 3D walkthrough do you mean like the VR like you wear the helmet and then yeah, you walk around kind of. say? or just even have like a fly through oh, like wow. a video, video or something when I see fly throughs because it's a certain scale I can't envision myself mm. spatially okay, yeah. so then probably for me I've always grown up writing more rather than drawing spaces it's easier for me to hear about things in words rather than mm. depending on animated videos mm. I think that's the reason why I struggle a lot when it comes to renders the thing is I love sections because that's for me the fastest way to look at a building space. Mm, do you know what a section is? is? No. Okay, so a section is, as the term describes, so you have a house and you cut it in half and you walk through what that cut oh, yeah. across mm. this beautiful it is, dentistry. Yeah. <laughs> Anatomy, Probably, yes. Yeah. 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 So it's like that for us. And I read space as the fastest through sections because mm. I've always drawn, I've always been drawn to sections. Atelier Bowell's influence, of mm. course. Yeah. Uh, Atelier Bowell is a firm that does a lot of graphic anatomy. So mm. they do a lot of sections, but mm. they do a perspective. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'll show you some examples. Yeah, wow. 
So I think that's always been for me how I've liked to envision spaces. And I think mm. the other thing that I struggle with is reading plans. I don't know why. I don't mm. like looking at plans. Do you mean floor plans? Yeah, floor <laughs> plans. It's really hard. Like, mm. this is all very weird for me to say this because I'm an architect. Yeah. I draw plans. Like, I don't have a problem with drawing spaces. Like, I'll be happy to draw plans, but... To suddenly give me a plan, have me understand it, it's very hard because I need a combination of river section as well as elevations mm. for me to envisage like split levels or yeah. even like lighting and spaces. It's yeah. the atmosphere that I'm always drawn to when it comes to architecture. Mm, yeah. So I used to work in a small office mm. and they did a lot of uh, schools, mm. school jobs. So the floor plans are quite big, these mm. schools, and but very simplified as well because it's literally, I don't know who got the job to like draft every single school in Victoria but somebody did it and it's not that good it's very simple but yeah you see this and it's like so big and complicated and then you go to the school and you start to realize like oh okay this is actually like a shed here and these lines it's actually like a physical beautiful space and yeah it's very hard with plans it's so so arbitrary yeah okay yes because when you look at interiors i don't know what's the first thing you see do you look at images first or do you look at the architecture Mm. stuff because a lot of magazines they downplay the complexities of house like sure they'll give you the house floor plans because you need to know how spatial arrangements Mm. and also for personal reasons you can't disclose as much information but then i think sometimes it would be nice for people to understand a little bit more Beyond the photos, so like, mm. what type of texture do you use to yeah. express timber? I guess for the two of us, Danny and I, we're very narrative based. So mm-hmm. how we structure the atmosphere is quite high in our priority mm-hmm. when we want to design our architecture. Because mm-hmm. if we don't have that atmosphere, then it doesn't set a certain emotion for yeah. our narrative. Yeah, as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a builder architect mm. like most of my buildings are flawed <laughs> <laughs> if it were to be built in real life there would be a lot of work that I would have to get into it to make it feasible mm. as an architect I'm selling up to this point I've just been selling stories mm. yeah I like more that. than building yeah no, I like yeah. that yeah good on you guys <laughs> <laughs> it's fun I think that's where the beauty of architecture's education is is mm. that we do learn just out our stories and how do we talk to our clients about it i haven't come across that many people as of yet but i think i would like to learn how to convey architecture qualities through narratives to a client rather than have them like of course we can work off a board like a mood board or an idea board that they give to both of us but then it's a matter of you've given us all these inspirations but how do we make it more meaningful beyond the brief that we've given we've been given at least and that's something I want to be challenged by in the future Mm. as well Mm -hmm. and then I guess the other question is does then affect the scale of our design so like can the narrative be only reached through a certain scale of design or in terms of the intimacy of the Mm. narrative be dictated by the scale of the design I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe like that's just a bit of a food for thought mm, for yeah. the both of us. Yeah. All the three of us as well. Yeah. Anyway. So just to close off everything today, just wanted to say thank you for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it's been really fun. Do you have any closing comments? 
Lauren Jones. Because we took a huge detour from I know. Our yeah. <laughs> topic. It's been, yeah, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for me when I didn't think anything of architecture that much until today. So, no, it has been good in my part. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned also heaps yeah. in regards to like human experiences mm. in real life. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it was a weird wake up call. Like, I didn't even think, oh, yeah, of course, colors would infect the patients. Like, for some reason, mm. I just didn't think of that. Anyway, now that I have that in mind, I will always think about how a place is being used mm. and let that inform the space kind of thing. Yeah. Instead of the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. User occupancy. I think it's yeah, now. Sometimes forget. Yeah, it's because we're so focused on form, so designing yeah. the overall form before function, yeah. and then you've got function before mm. form, so it's very hard for us because even the place we are now, we are at now, is always about aesthetics oh as well, so it's like, <laughs> Instagram. I know, yeah. the icons, <laughs> things, I love ducks in the city. <laughs> Ducks is not a pejorative term, by the way, guys. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you for joining us today. And if you've got any other topics you'd like us to explore, as always, please feel free to reach out. And we'll hope to see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>